right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Property Players. I'm your host, C. Muzan. Got another special guest here with me. Uh, this gentleman and I got a chance to briefly uh, have a little interaction. I think I was just following him on, on uh, Facebook, honestly. Uh, I don't know if he paid attention to me at all, uh, but I saw him doing some really big things uh, over in the uh, <clears throat> real estate investing world, the speaking world, and he was relatively close to home. He was right out in the, the Lancaster, PA area. So I, I wanted to bring him on and kind of chat with him and, and have him share his expertise. So uh, Dave Zook is here with us. Dave, thanks so much for jumping on. Thanks for having me on your show, Chris. Absolutely. Pleasure is mine, man. So we're just going to jump, jump straight in because, like I said, I, I've been kind of watching from afar uh, on social uh, as you get to know me and every, all, all the listeners probably know, like this is how I make a lot of my connections is 100% from social media because I think it can help. This is what it does. It helps us connect right, yep. to the people that we want to be close to. Um, and I just saw you doing, doing some exciting things. So um, first off, kind of take me, take me a step back and uh, just tell me a little bit of how you were introduced into the real estate world, I guess. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really introduced into the real estate world. I was chased into the real estate world. I um, had a several different uh, successful businesses that I was running, and I got myself into a real situation where I was paying a lot of money in tax. And I didn't understand at the time that you could use the real estate, specifically uh, multifamily real estate, to really uh, not only build wealth and cash flow streams, but to really um, kind of build them as a as a tax uh, vehicle. Um, and so that's what chased me into the real estate space. I, I got to study in that, that space and, and really, you know, after paying, after being a heavy taxpayer for several years, uh, once I got to understand that, that real estate can be a, a tax protection vehicle, I was, I got really interested. And I went from, you know, not, hardly own in any real estate at all. Mm -hmm. And really my primary or core focus was business to all of a sudden want as much real estate as I can get my hands on. So I got into the multifamily apartment space, uh, been in that space for the last couple of years, although we haven't bought anything for the last year and a half. So we're not really in that market for, uh, you know, to make acquisitions right now, sure. but uh, know a lot about the space. How, so, so, as a business owner, what, what businesses were, were you in? So our family business uh, and the business that I was sort of uh, involved in from the time I was, oh man, six years old and growing up was um, uh, a modular building business. Okay. And uh, we were here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, like you mentioned, and uh, we've, we've employed uh, between 80 and 100 employees. And um, we ship buildings all over the country, and so uh, normally they're they're buildings, and we have a couple different uh, entities and a couple different businesses. One is primarily a uh, detached garage and storage shed business, modular. We build them here at our plant, ship them out. The other one is a modular cabin, like a sort of a second home, rustic uh, sort of cabin living type of a building it's a modular cabin uh name of that business is zook cabins and um had a couple of different uh most of them were most of the businesses that i had were 
sort of spawned from our family business and sort of some version of a modular building business. Sure. Um, and then there was uh, a couple other ones as well, but primarily in the modular building business. Okay. So uh, as you're going down that path, like how, how did you get introduced to knowing that real estate was more of a tax vehicle in a way to, you know, shield, shield some of that money going to the government? I got hit with about a half a million dollar tax uh, bill. Yeesh. And it's amazing when you suffer a lot of pain, how much, <laughs> uh, how much you can sort of learn and how much uh, educating you can do and, and how you kind of just go down that path. But no, I, I dove in and I kept uh, one of the guys that was very influential to me was Robert Kiyosaki. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I, uh, you know, the, the, his, his statement that you can make millions of dollars in, in, in income and, or make millions of dollars a year and pay zero in tax or very little in tax just intrigued me. So I had to find out what that was all about. And I figured the best way to find out was go hunt him down. So I stalked him and, and uh since that time um and i you know i spent a week with him on, on a cruise and yeah. and uh since that time we've had dinner together a few times met each other on on, on a number of occasions but uh he was very influential in uh, you know making that, that the, making that decision and starting me down that path to educating myself yeah and, and rich dad poor dad is one of those books i give everyone was that the first time you read it was when you got hit with the tax bill or that was something that you had read previously it was around that time. It was around, I think it was prior to getting that tax bill, but I was starting to get a little bit familiar, but you know, again, I, I didn't have enough of pain to spur me into action, you know, so I was learning, I was reading and, you know, I was kind of getting familiar with it, but you know, until you, until you really have to sometimes, especially, I mean, I, I was busy, I was busy doing, you know, running several different businesses and, right. and all that. So I didn't really have time to, dig into it too deep. But then, you know, on top of that, I saw the opportunity, you know, like coming out of 2009 and 10 and, and sort of seeing that opportunity and, and, you know, properties that had previously been selling at, you know, real premiums were now selling at a discount and the cash flow of the numbers made a lot of sense. And, and so it was just a combination of things and timing was one of them. Sure. Absolutely. And, and I, I'm going to go back to a point that you said that I just want to hone in for the listeners, because it's the pain that you were going through that caused you to go find a solution. And a, oh, lot, yeah. of, a lot of times we avoid people avoid the pain, right? They avoid the what, you know, they're, they're scared to take the first step because they're scared of what may happen or what may come up. And in your case, it was going through that pain of man. Now, you know, where am I going to come up with a half a million dollars? Right? Like, I don't know why I owe this to the government that you went and actively sought out the answers to it. And as Robert Kiyosaki says, right, because I'm a big fan, too, as 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 he always says, right, a statement closes the mind, a question opens the mind. And so when people start to say things like, I can't afford it, or I can't do this, it closes your mind. But when you start to ask yourself, how can I, how can I, and that's probably the process you went through of how can I pay this tax? How can I avoid this next time? How can I, and you sought out the answer. I, uh, you must've seen one of my presentations because I talk about that specifically. I've, I've, uh, I've actually <laughs> never, to be honest, I've actually never seen it. But again, like, this is how I know we're like-minded. That's yeah. why I had to have you on the show. Because yeah. You can just kind of tell when, when people get it, right? Yeah. No, I've got a whole, I've got a whole one of my slides in my presentation that I, that I 
pretty much talk about every time I speak to a group is uh, is exactly that. You know, train your mind to think, how can I? And when you do that, doors will open up to you. And uh, so that's key. That's it. What did you always have that mindset of seeking out the people that had your information, right? Like once you figured out, hey, Robert Kiyosaki's probably the guy I need to find uh, and then go down that path. Because again, that's not normal. Most people don't seek out aggressively, right? Coaches or mentors. Have you always had that? Has that always been a part of you? I don't know that I've always that I've always had that, but I can tell you that uh, that I've certainly adopted it, especially especially in the last decade. You know, somebody was talking to me last night about uh, what I know about cryptos, and I'm like, well, you know, nothing. Right. And you know, I mean, although I've invested in a few cryptos, just kind of you know, as 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 uh, you know, pocket change and a very small, you know, very small portion of my. Uh, liquid assets is is in cryptos, but you know when I when I get into something like that, I'm I'm tapping into somebody who's got their mind wrapped around the space, and I'm paying for a, uh, for their advice. Right. Uh, I'm a good personal friend of Tika Tori, who's like the he's uh, with the Palm Beach Letter, and he's he's probably well one of the world's foremost authorities on on cryptos. Mm-hmm. So you know getting around people who know the space. I mean, I've got partners in the ATM space and, and, you know, that's, that's what they do. That's their life. I've got, you know, when I want to buy a self storage asset, I don't just go out and buy a self storage asset. I go find one of the best teams I can associate myself with. And I partner with them. We go out and do a deal together. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, I, I seek out, uh, the people who are experts in the space, people who have their 10,000 hours. And I'd, I'd rather partner with them and try to figure it out all, all on my own. Again, super important. And another Robert Kiyosaki thing, right? Like, and I talk about this a bunch, entrepreneur mindset versus employee mindset and how school hasn't set us up to be able to know that business is a team sport, right? Yeah. And that you're supposed to go find the best of, right? That industry, the, the person with the most knowledge of that, whatever that you're trying to do and then partner with them and then use their expertise. It doesn't have to be that you know everything about everything. And a lot of people get that mistaken, you know? Yep. So I totally agree. Yeah. So, so now walk me a little bit forward after you do seek out, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and you get a chance to kind of chat with him. And then once you now see that, okay, real estate might be the thing that can help me avoid some of these taxes. What were some of your first steps in, starting it was it assembling a team or what what were kind of your first first moves yeah it was so one of the first things i did was i went on a three-day tour with uh the real estate guys and uh went down to memphis and uh spent a couple days on the ground and they introduced me to some good uh, team players and you know once i had the team assembled a good broker a good banker a good you know some of some of those guys that are essential to you know uh making those deals happen for you. Once I had those, those guys assembled, then I went to market looking for a property. So that's, that's, that's another thing that I typically do is, you know, most people, you know, they'll go find the asset, they'll purchase the asset, then they'll try to build a team around it. And then they figure out, well, it's, you know, the asset is on the wrong side of the tracks, or, you know, it's, it's probably not the best area of town or, or, you know, some of those things that a really good team can help you 
mitigate or or not make those mistakes right. and uh so yeah so i built the team we went out and bought some assets bought a couple hundred 100 apartment units on my own eventually got to the point where i ran out of my own cash um i invited some friends into the into my next deal and i you know i never really started out in this space thinking i was going to be a syndicator i was doing it for myself sure. and um you know once i once i got into that space and and realized that oh okay I had a need. There's other people who have needs. Sure. I could probably, I could probably help them as well as continue to do more deals. Cause now I got my team set up. Right. And so, yeah, let me, stop, I, I, let me stop you there real quick. Cause I'm sure for some of the listeners, they might not even know that like, what is, what does the team consist of? How did, how do you find it? What do you look for? Take us through like each part of the team that you set up and then what you look for in each of them. Probably the most important uh, team member is your property manager. Okay. You know, and, and one of the things I would, I would want to encourage your listeners is it's always more important to take advice from your property manager than it is from your broker. Your broker's a sales guy. He wants to sell you the deal. Yeah. Uh, your property manager, he's the guy that's going to have to make the deal work. And so you can typically get a pretty honest uh, answer from a property manager. And I'll give you an, an example I went to San Antonio. I wanted access. I wanted exposure to the San Antonio market. I had friends that were in that market. I believed in that market. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I asked the friends of mine, I said, hey, you, you're in this market. Uh, can, you, can you share some of your, your team members, your broker, your, your property manager? And, and when they did, I, I, I let them help me find the deal. Mm. So I, you know, I said to them, exactly, I said, um, if you had an area of the city where you said, man, if I just have more inventory in that area, and if I could just manage more properties in that area of town, where would that be? And they took me out to, to development. They were selling brand new fourplexes and, and I bought a couple of fourplexes in that development. And, and, you know, to this day, I mean, I've, I've owned them now for a lot of years and, and, you know, almost forget that I own them. I mean, you just don't hear anything about them. They stay well occupied. And, you know, every month I get an email saying that the money was ACH'd into my account. And, you know, it, it just, when you, when you do it right on the front side and you let your team help you find the asset, um, it's a, it can be a much more fun experience and a much more successful experience than if you go out there and try to do it on your own and then assemble a team after you get the asset. Absolutely. And I, and again, I think most people do it backwards, right? And you probably see that in your experience, right? Like you said, most people are going to find the asset and, and purchase the asset. And then they're saying, well, like, I guess I need somebody to help me with this, or maybe I should reach out to this person. And that's actually, you know, it's backwards. So, you know, obviously you knew that you knew that process kind of going in, what were some of the hiccups or challenges, uh, kind of take me through that? Cause you know, nothing's ever smooth sailing. Nothing's ever perfect all the way through, what were some of your hiccups in uh, after assembling the team and like finding those assets? Oh, not, any, not everything goes perfect in your business? <laughs> uh, not so much, not so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, things were going well for a number of years and then my, my, my partner gets stage four cancer and, mm -hmm. and that went down this whole, um, that, took, that went down this whole path um, uh, got to the point where his team, his right-hand man, uh, was uh, 
not the person we thought he was. And, um, you know, the portfolio goes into a slide. I had to actually step in and take over and put new management in place. I mean, you know, just some of those things. And, and so, yeah, you're right. I mean, very seldom does everything go right in business, but, but in answer to your previous question, the most important people on the team, I would say property management first, and then just a really good broker that understands the market. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how, how do you, again, you just asking people for those referrals. Uh, how do you do your due, due diligence to find a broker? Um, you certainly, if you have some other, some friends that are doing business in that, in that market, I mean, referrals are always, you know, your, your best source. I mean, you can go to the internet and, and figure out who's selling real estate. Um, you know, if, if you've got, if you're familiar with a bar, with a market, with a certain market, um, and you know where to look, it usually didn't take really long to find out who your all-stars are in that market. Sure. And so connecting with a really good broker was, was a big piece of the deal, but, um, having a reliable source, having people that already knew the market or have done business there and having them point to a really good broker, a really good property manager, it certainly shortcuts the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So those are the two, two main people that you're thinking about are property managers and then a broker. Anyone else that you need to, to assemble on a team? Yeah. Legal, uh, lenders. And then, you know, you got to fill in the pieces around that, but, uh, you know, the first two are, are certainly, uh, you know, ones that you want to really be sure about. And, and then of course, you know, there's half a dozen other people, but for sure, lenders, insurance agents, um, you know, you, you want to have a good relationship with those guys as well. Sure. What, and, and on the lending side, because I come across a lot of lenders, are you dealing with one lender or you're dealing with, you know, five, six, whoever can kind of get you the best thing for the best rate or how do you do it? We're dealing with several, I would say probably at this point, three or four. Um, we assumed a HUD loan. Uh, so we got a, you know, we got a different lender for that property. We, we, you know, some of our, some of our, uh, properties are financed using agency loans, you know, Freddie Mac, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Um, and then we've got a couple, uh, relationships with local lenders. Um, you know, let's say you're, you're getting into a property where you, you want to do some value add and you want to refinance into an agency loan there, we'll use local lenders. So combination but i'd say probably at this point it's uh, we're dealing with three or four in that market got it got it so now kind of take me forward what what are you up to now in business obviously since you've you know you started to get and and purchase these assets after you had your team put together uh what are you focused on now in in the real estate world right now we are so i've got a good management team taking care of our multifamily apartments we're actually selling into this market we're 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 selling we're taking some profits we're going to be um we're going to be actively selling into this market not all of our stuff but it's uh you know we we may sell half of our portfolio in the next 12 to 18 months um, and why why like what's is it just the right time is it a personal need or a business need what, what i feel you- i feel it's the right time yeah. i feel it's the right time and and uh there was a number of of uh reasons but one of them probably the strongest one is because uh because of the market that we're in yeah um you know we started buying these in 2010 11 and you know it's a great opportunity 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And you never, and you don't know when that, right. That, uh, that cycle is going to start to come down the other way. And it seems like uh, this would be a good time to, to, to start to sell off some of the portfolio. Do you have ideas of what to do with it? Like what you're looking to do? So we're transitioning a lot. Um, over the last two years, we've been transitioning a lot into the self-storage space. Found a really good team. Uh, we've closed uh, we've closed a bunch of, of different transactions now in the last two years with this team and just super excited to be working with them. Uh, very successful team, vetted them, you know, they, they vetted really well. And, and also uh, one of the things that, uh, spoke volumes to me as I had uh, a number of different conversations with um, their investors, mm. you know, who, who've invested with them over the last 10, 12 years and couldn't say enough of good things about them. So that's the kind of thing I'm very, you know, typically I'm, I'm much more concerned or much more interested in hearing what an investor of yours is saying about you than what you're saying about you. Absolutely. So, you know, just going down that path. And then of course you got it, you, you got to do, you know, background checks and, and, and in, and in my case, I brought them up here and, and a really good friend of mine was uh, the, the, the chairman of the board and national self storage association. So he was really connected in the space. And, and so we connected with these guys and did a bunch of deals with them. But so self storage, very active in the self storage space. We've actually, we, we've really grown our ATM portfolio in the last couple of years. We're now one of the top five operators in the ATM space in the country. Okay. And uh, so very active there. And uh, then we've also got a, a project going, going on down South of uh, Dallas where we're taking coal and we're processing the coal and extracting liquids and oil from the coal yeah. and we're selling them to big um, fortune 10 uh, <laughs> i mean household name companies we've got fixed price contracts for this uh oil and it's not the kind of oil you would burn in a truck or a tractor it's the kind of oil they use for cosmetics and pharmaceuticals and you know skin care most of those products have uh, uh, you know their core ingredient is coal sure so we're selling that under contract and and uh the cash flow is great the tax benefits are awesome yeah. and uh it's a project we're really excited about and expect to do a lot of business in that space next year that's exciting year. that's exciting and and you know honestly for the listeners i'm sure this is one of the first times we've had anyone on the show that kind of does anything outside of your traditional uh you know multifamily fix and flip buy and hold like outside of that so like talk to me a little bit about each of those spaces let's start with the you know self-storage space um why, why outside of the connections right and you got into it but like what's happening on that side why is that attractive why is that something people should be looking into one of the things i'm excited about is the is the business model that we have that that our team has number one we've got um, really good relationships with the REITs. The REIT appetite for this for this asset class has grown a lot in the last year or two. And so our business model, we'll go in and buy a um, stabilized or semi-stabilized asset from a mom and pop investor. Most of the time that mom and pop investor, this is the only asset that they own. They don't own two, three or five of them. There's no economies of scale. We put professional management management in there. We typically are going in and, and adding square footage. We're adding climate controlled units or we're doing some kind of a, we're forcing a value. Okay. And then we're, you know, 
really juicing the NOI, we're really getting to the point where, where this is the kind of asset now that becomes a retarget. And within three to four years, we're taking it and we're flipping it to a REIT. And, you know, when you buy at a six and three quarter cap and then you, you know, force a bunch of value and then you turn around and, and roll it to a REIT at a four and a half to 4.8 cap, there's some margin there. Absolutely. So that's been kind of our business model. We project out six years, but uh, if you look at our history over the last uh, 21 deals, we've been, we've been flipping these deals in, in just over three years. Wow. Okay. And so that obviously the business model indicates that that was uh, a sector that you wanted to get into. Um, and then the next one on ATMs, right? Talk, talk to me about that side. Well, let me, let me just say one more thing on self-storage. One of the things that really attracted me to the space was it's historically been a very recession resistant asset class. Like when things are, uh, then when there's disruption in the market, mm-hmm. self-storage typically does really well. When there's, you know, uh, jobs being downsized, people relocating, people moving from their homes into an apartment building, the whole apartment building trend of people moving into apartment, where, where they're storing their stuff. Yeah. Like if you've got a single family, uh, single family home on a half acre, you got a storage shed in the backyard. Right. You live in a two bedroom apartment, there ain't no storage shed. Right. So now these people are storing their stuff in, in self in self storage facilities. And, and so, you know, you look at all those things and you look at, you know, divorce, um, any kind of disruption in the marketplace that provides a really good environment for self storage. So when you get an asset, when you can get into an asset class that does really well in good times, then does also does really well, maybe even better in bad times. I like it. Sure. So you look at, the, at where we are in the cycle and you look at, uh, you know, what if we have some kind of a slowdown or cool down or recession or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, I want to be in an asset class that'll do well during that, through that whole time. Absolutely. And so that in, in the, all those points, you know, I didn't even really think about, but are hundred percent true when there is any type of disruption and all those things are going to be true, right? The, you know, people moving more into renting more into that apartment, uh, you know, people going that, that direction. And then, like you said, divorce, whatever happens with the economy, all those things lend to pointing people in the direction of the asset class that you own. Um, yep. and so that's, that's just very, very smart, very smart. So, yeah, so I started out as an ATM investor passively. So I got introduced to this group that 